We are on Ksubis Mem Gimel Amabez 43b, starting a new Mishnah, about 10 lines from the top. Uh, so we're starting a new Mishnah here. And the Mishnah says, Hamaris is Bito, Vigirsha, Irsa Vinis Armala, Ksubasa Shalo. We are in the Parak, the chapter that discusses the different forms of jurisdiction types of jurisdiction that the father has over his daughter. We're talking about a daughter who is still a minor under the age of 12. And so another uh, another thing that uh, the father receives is the ksuba. What happens if he, uh, the father has the right to marry off his daughter on a biblical level? Today we say that the person should not do this at all and that it's terrible to do. But on a biblical level, a father has the right to marry off his daughter. And if, just like in a regular marriage is a concept of a ksuba, the responsibility that the husband has to his wife if he passes away or if they get divorced, so then he has to pay her the ksuba. Uh, So the same thing would apply in this type of a marriage. However, uh, because the father... Um, was the one who set this up, and it's under his jurisdiction, so therefore the ksuba money, the value, is given over to him. Uh, but the question is, what type of situation are we dealing with? So the Mishnah says, if we're only dealing with a halachic engagement, which means, as we've explained many times in the past, that there was a year break between the halachic engagement, which is the giving of the ring, and then the actual marriage, and the times of the Gemara, there was a year-long uh, break between the two, uh, when they actually get married, that's when they actually live together. Uh, before that, uh, they are not living under the same roof. Uh, today, we do this all within a few minutes of each other, the giving of the ring and being under the chuppah. Um, but if we're dealing here only with where she was halachically engaged, uh, so they did not yet have the, the, the full marriage where they're living together. Um, so then, what's the story with the ksuba? Who receives the ksuba? Now, it's important to point out that there's... There's a debate as to when the ksuba kicks in. When is there an obligation to have a ksuba? According to some, it only kicks in after they're actually fully married, when they're living together. However, during this stage, there are opinions that say that there is no ksuba. However, others disagree and say that no, there's even a ksuba during this time period, and so we are following that position. This Mishnah, Rashi explains, is following that position that we're discussing a case here where it's following the position that the ksuba would already kick in during the times of that halachic engagement, after the giving of the ring. Okay, so there is a ksuba, and we say that if if she was engaged, so the case here is, let's say she's engaged to uh, to one person, and then they get divorced, and then she gets engaged to somebody else, and then that husband dies. In both situations, in both engagements, halachic engagements, the ksuba is given to the father. Uh, we will see that this is in contrast to the next case, but in this case, it's given to the father. Why? Because as long as they did not get married, they didn't have a full marriage, she's still under the jurisdiction of her father. So if she gets divorced or if the husband dies, she's still under his jurisdiction and so therefore the ksuba is given to him. However, this is in contrast to the next case, he However, if let's say she gets married, uh, again, it's through the father, the father married... Uh, She's a, she's a minor, so it has to be through the father on a biblical level. Uh, and so she gets married, and then they get divorced. And then she marries somebody else, and the husband dies. In both of those scenarios, according to the first position, we will see that this is subject to debate. 
But according to the Tanakama, according to the first position, uh, so then she, it's not given to the father, but she receives both in the first marriage and in the second marriage, she receives the ksuba. Why? Because halakhically, once she's married, as a minor, once she's fully married, so then she leaves the jurisdiction of her father. And so therefore, according to the Tanakhama, since she left the jurisdiction of her father, so then for the first marriage, she received her own, the ksuba is given to her. She's left the jurisdiction of her father. For the second marriage also, uh, the ksuba is given to her. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, however, Rabbi Yehuda argues, Harishona Shalav. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, there's a difference. Again, what's the case here? She's married to somebody and they get uh, divorced. And then she marries somebody else and the husband dies. Uh, so Rabbi Huda says there's a difference between the first case and the second case. When she's first married, so then uh, it's true she leaves the jurisdiction of her father, but as we will see, I don't know about today in this class, but uh, probably in the next one, uh, because it started off, there's a different ways to phrase it, but it started off as being, under, according to Rabbi Huda, under the jurisdiction of her father, or let's say the ksuba was written while they were still halakhically engaged, uh, before they were fully married, and so therefore it was under the jurisdiction of the father. So therefore the father, at least in the first marriage, receives the ksuba, because the ksuba was written during the engagement while she was still under the jurisdiction of her father. However, in the second marriage, once she gets married, she leaves the jurisdiction of her father. So then in that second marriage, for sure, the ksuba is given to her. That Rabbi Yehuda would agree to. And when it comes to the second marriage, it's given to her. Again, this is arguing on the first opinion. The first opinion said that I don't care when uh, the, the the ksuba was written. At the end of the day, she leaves the jurisdiction of her father at the time of collection, uh, at the time that the they get divorced or the or the husband dies. And so therefore, it's given to her, um, even if it was written during a time when the father still had jurisdiction over his daughter. It doesn't make a difference. That's what the chachamim. That's what the majority say. Amrulo, they say to Rabbi Huda, Once they get married. She's no longer under his jurisdiction, and therefore, according to the first position, according to the Chachamim, uh, the Ksuba, even in the first marriage, is given to her. Again, Rabbi Huda argues with regards to the first marriage and says that no, it's given to the father, but he agrees that for the second marriage, it is given to her. Okay, that is the end of the Mishnah. We'll read the beginning part of the Gemara, and then we'll continue with the, the next part of the Gemara, which is, a next, which is a separate topic from the first part of the Gemara uh, in the next class. Says the Gemara, Taima de Isia Vigirsha Isia Venis Armala. Avanis Armala Trezimni Sulachazil and Suve. Basically, we had two different cases. In the case of marriage, we said that she gets married first to one person and then they get divorced. And then she gets married to somebody else and then they get, and then the husband dies. It's a little strange. Why don't we give the same case? Or why are we even explaining uh, how the marriage ended? As long as the marriage ends, so then that's the discussion. Um, who collects the Ksuba? Uh, but why are we discussing what how the the marriage ended? That in the first case it was where they got divorced, and the second case where uh, where the husband died. And so it's there to tell you it's specifically in a situation where uh, in in a situation where uh, she gets divorced and then the husband dies. So then she's allowed to marry somebody else. Um, but let's say what let's say it's a situation where the husband died both times. Sulo chazilinsuve. The Mishnah is adding a, a separate point, nothing to do with the Ksuba issue, but the Mishnah is sort of um, in a hinting type of a fashion is explaining to us that if let's say she's married to two people and both of them die, so then this is following the position, this is not 
according to everybody, but it's found in the position that uh, she's not allowed to get married to somebody else a third time. Why? Because this is following the position of Rebbe. The Agav Rebbe. The Amar betrays him. They have a chazaka. Rebbe is of the position that when two when something happens twice, that's called a chazaka. It establishes it as something which uh, will happen again. And so, therefore, if she got married to somebody and both times to to, to to twice, both times the husband dies, it means that we are concerned that something's happening here that's causing. Uh, her husband to die, and therefore she's not allowed to marry somebody else because we're concerned that that third husband will now die. It creates a chazaka. Now, having it done twice is really not so simple. Um, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel argues and says that in order to have a chazaka, it has to happen three times. And we follow that for many in- situations and many in- instances, we follow that position of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel to say that something has to happen three times to establish it as a chazaka, that this is something that... Uh, could continue happening and it creates a certain status quo. Um, but with regards to this halacha, this law, we follow the position of Rebbe to say that when something happens twice, so then we already have to be concerned. And the reason for this is uh, because of Hamira uh, Sakanta Meisura, that we have to, we are more uh, careful about danger, about uh, life, than about Isser. Obviously, we're very careful about doing the right thing about Isser, about what doing the right thing and not doing something which is wrong. However, we are we have a higher we higher concern to make sure that people are not putting their lives in danger. And so therefore even though in general let's say we believe that chazaka has to happen three times in this case, if it just happens twice, so then we are we are concerned. Um, and we don't want to make sure that uh, she doesn't marry somebody and then that person dies. Now this chazaka of happening it twice, there's a debate uh, in Mesechus Yivamos, in Tractate Yivamos, which uh, for those of you who have been following through with Yivamos, so we discussed this at the time, um, is it because just somehow she has bad mazel, she has bad luck, and so therefore her husband dies? Or is it specifically because uh, something to do with the, the sexual relations, that that's what's causing the husband to die? Uh, and the Gemara explains that, well, whether we're concerned for this uh, depending on what the concern is, will impact different situations. So, for example, um, if they never had sexual relations, so let's say they were only engaged, halachic engagement, uh, so then there should not be a concern. But if the concern is just mazel, that uh, this type of relationship creates bad luck and causes the husband to die, so then even if they're engaged, so then there should be a concern. Uh, so that's uh, a ramification, depending on what the, what the reason is for the husband's death. Now, it's important to note, number one, let's say she does marry a third person. Let's say she goes against the lacha. She goes against the Torah law, the, the law, and she marries somebody else a third time, a third marriage. So there's a big debate. Does she have to get divorced or not? There's a debate. Maybe she could stay married. No, because this is, we're talking about life and death. The concern here is between life and death. So therefore, maybe we should force her to get divorced. So that is subject to debate. Now, practically speaking, we try to find a way to say that this is not based on mazel. This is not based on her luck. Uh, so for example, it has to be something which is an illness potentially. But if uh, the husband died in an abnormal way, let's say in a car accident in some, some other way, we try to find ways to say this is not because of the wife, but this is just something which happened, which uh, which is not really based off of the marriage of the husband and the wife. And so it's not a medical issue which is caused, but let's say it's some other issue which, which uh, caused it. Um, so we try to find ways to make sure that, uh, not to make sure, but we try to find ways to say that maybe it's not really based on her, but and therefore she would be allowed to marry uh, a third husband. 
Um, okay, this is a short a short recording, but we did the Mishnah and a few lines in the Gemara, and then the next part of the Gemara, the remaining part of Mem Gimel and Beis, will be discussing a separate topic.